Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Hallelujah. Okay, so we want to be kind of introducing what we are going to be dealing with this uh, two days or so. And this is so important, so vitally important. You try to follow some of the things that I'm going to be saying, and then you should be able to walk yourself into the realization of what the subject matter really is, which has to do with redemption. Now, I'm going to give a simple definition of redemption from the Bible as well, and then that will enable you to pick up the importance of this word and how it relates to your salvation and how much God intends you to begin to experience it to enjoy as you walk into the place of redemption. Praise God. Alright, so let's look at the book of Leviticus chapter 25. I'm reading from verse 23. Leviticus 25, reading from verse 23. Hallelujah. And the Lord said to the children of Israel, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for he are strangers and sojourners with me. And then verse 24, And in all the land of your possession... You shall grant a redemption for the land. I want you to pick note of that. In all the land of your possession, you shall grant a redemption for the land. Now, don't forget what we're dealing with. Redemption realities. Amen? Alright. Then verse 25 says, If thy brother be waxing poor, and hath sold away some of his possessions, and if any of his kin came to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. And this is also very crucial. You have to understand what we call the kinsman redeemer. And that is to say, if your brother is poor, and somebody is qualified to be able to come and redeem it, and the only way by which that individual can do that is because he has a relationship with you. I want you to know that because that's very important. Then verse 26. And if the man have known to redeem it, and himself be sold to redeem it not, be unable, he went out. Now, verse 27, Then let him count the years of the soul thereof, and restore the overplus unto the man to whom he sold it, that he may return unto his possession. Please follow. Verse 28, But if he be not able to restore it to him, then that which is sold shall remain in the hand of him that had bought it unto the year of jubilee. And in the jubilee it shall, call, it shall go out and it shall return unto what? Unto his possession. And this is very crucial in relation to our salvation when we talk about redemption realities. The picture you see here is if you have a possession and because you poor and you sold it out. Then if you have a brother who relates to you, he should be able to come to the one you are not indebted to pay off the debt so that you can get your land property back, whatever it is. Is that okay? Now, it's only, that is only going to be possible if he has a relationship with you. If you have connection with you, by implication, if I were to get into poverty situation, that I own uh, someone debts and that they took my land. Anybody who is not related to me does not have the right to come there to pay off the debt so that they can have it back. The condition for you to be able to redeem anyone that is indebted is because you have a relationship with that individual. Are you following me? And I will tell you something about Christ. Anyway, let me give you a simple definition. So redemption speaks of the act as kinsman redeemer, an avenger to revenge, to ransom, to do on the part of a kinsman, like I was trying to say. To act as a kinsman, that's the word redemption. Do the part of next of kin. Act as a kinsman redeemer. By marrying the brother's widow to beget children for him, to redeem from slavery, to redeem land, to exert vengeance, to redeem by payment, 
to redeem with as God's subjects, individuals from death, and like redeeming Israel from bondage. That's redemption. And like I said, it has to be connected to somebody who is indebted. Now, when you want to look at the picture of your salvation, you find that Adam and Eve, remember the word Eve means the father of all living. We are the children, as it were, of Adam. The whole nation, the whole world, if you will. Because remember, in the very beginning, thank you Lord, God told Adam that he has given him everything to possess, by implication, to have dominion. Is that okay? So everything in creation was supposed to be on the man. Now by the time Adam and Eve fell into the temptation of the devil, they sold everything to the devil. Including the offsprings, which is you and I. So we're indebted not now, by implication, in quote, to the devil. We were sold into captivity, into bondage to the devil. Now how are we going to get out of that redemption? I mean, that situation. The heart of the principle of redemption, we Leviticus 25. And for that to happen, we have to have a kinsman redeemer. And the only man that is qualified to redeem us was Christ. How does that mean? The Bible says he became our brother. In fact, the Bible tells us he partook of the flesh and blood as children of Adam. Is that okay? Right. So that we can become his brothers. Now because he had a relationship with us, he was not qualified to be able to do what? To redeem us. Are you getting that? Praise the living God. Otherwise, we were slaves. Got it right. And then the Bible says, if you don't have anyone to redeem you, for instance, and you don't have the money to pay back, I mean to pay and get your property or land the property back, then you have to remain in that condition until the year of Jubilee. That is 50 years. Now, one of the major principles of this law again is this. If I were to be indebted to you, and maybe the value of my indebtedness, I'm just going to put it for 10 million, for instance. Maybe it could be a landed property or whatever the case may be. And I have to pay 10 million to get out of the bondage that I'm in because I'm indebted to you. If the whole transaction took place just this year, are you listening? And then next year is the year of Jubilee. The value of what I'm owing you depreciates instantly. I don't have to wait to be able to pay you the 10 million before I get by my property. When Jubilee sounds, everything is nullified. I am free to return back to my land. Another condition now is, you are unable to pay your debt. Remember the widow? I was saying the creditors has come to take my children into slavery. Is that okay? Right. If you are unable to pay your debt, for instance, and your children are taken into slavery, they have to be in that condition for 50 years to be able to get back to the property of the father, to possess that. Now, if it happens again that within two years of this transaction, of your children taken into slavery, just two years, and the next two years now, say now, there's a trumpet sound of the jubilee. Your children don't have to wait for maybe seven or eight years before getting back to that property. Jubilee equalizes everybody. Are you following what I'm talking about? This is very crucial. Jubilee equalizes. Jubilee brings you to the place where no, you do not in any way have to own anybody for so long. Everything must come to a perfect conclusion. Once the trumpet of Jubilee sounds. Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? Now the word Jubilee is the word from 50. 17 and 7 plus 1. 50. That's Jubilee. That's the Jubilee, the 50th year. That's the way actually means. And so number 50 is very important in the scripture. So for instance, number 50 appears in the book of Genesis 50 times. As it were, the book of Genesis is 50 chapters. That's what I'm trying to say. The book of Genesis is 50 chapters. I want you to get that. And let me make this point again. Genesis is not the Old Testament. Don't make that mistake. 
Genesis is not part of what you call the Old Testament or the Lord of Moses. Genesis is the book of creation in relation to the creation of man and the redemption of man and God's ultimate purpose for mankind. Moses wrote five books and that's what he called the Old Testament. Genesis is not part of the Old Testament even though in canonizing they put it together. Are you still there with me? Good. You can talk from Exodus to Leviticus and all of those ones here, Deuteronomy, whatever. Yes, you're talking about the Lord of Moses. That's why you actually call the Old Testament. But Genesis is not part of the Old Testament. Is that okay? Praise the living God. So Genesis have two, I mean 50 chapters. Now if you look at Genesis 18, 23, 26, you just write it down. You find that Abraham tried to get Lot or Sodom saved by asking for 50 people. If I can find 50 people, will you redeem the land? Will you allow your rot not to fall upon Sodom and Gomorrah? He asked for 50 people. Is that okay? Remember, I'm using the word 50 in relation to Jubilee. Is that alright? Okay. If you take time to check the book of Esther, you find that Exodus 5, 14, 79, the gallows which Haman built to destroy his enemy, Mordecai, was 50 cubits high. These are just occurrences. Hallelujah. Then according to the book of Numbers, chapter 4, if you read from verse 1 to 3, we don't matter to read it. Only those under 50 years old were allowed to do the work of maintaining the tabernacle in the wilderness because it was a hard work. You go into a ministry 50 years and above, I mean 30 years and above, according to the law, you can't go into public ministry where you have not attained to 30 years. And that is why Jesus had to wait until he was 30 before he started what is called public ministry. But like I've always made some of us to understand, Jesus' ministry didn't start when he was 30 years old. He started when he was 12 years old. He started recruiting disciples when he was 12 years old. But he can't do public ministry until he has to be 30 years old according to the law. So he waited for 30 years. And so, to do the work of ministry with the maintaining the tabernacle, you have to be 30 years and above. But it doesn't have to be above 50. Praise the Lord. Praise the loving God. Now one so important aspect of number 50 is his relationship to the Holy Ghost. The relationship of the number 50 to the Holy Spirit is so vitally important. Again, I said, you find about 150 times in the Bible, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene on Sunday morning, AD 30, ascended to the Father in heaven in 20, and at John 20 verse 17. All of those things that when you look at Revelation 1 verse number 5, you find that Jesus was the type of the first fruit. But guess what? Everything around the Holy Spirit has a strict connection to number 50. Praise the living God. Are we there? You must understand that after resurrection, he walked the earth for how many days? 40 days. On the 50th day, the Holy Spirit came down. So number 50 equals Pentecost, if you will. And that is very important. Hallelujah. Now, the word Pentecost actually means 50 in the Greek. This is also known as the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Fruits. You can find that in Deuteronomy 16 verse 16. Pentecost speaks of what? 50 in the Greek. This was the day the Lord poured out, remember, His Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, 120 in the upper room, who had gathered, waiting to that particular day. Because say you wait until you just tarry. And then we'll find out in Acts chapter 1, 15, and then Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost finally came down. Praise the living God. I'm just giving some foundation to the world, 50, and then as it relates to redemption, that we're going to be dealing with the reality is some of the things you actually have to come into. From what we have read in Leviticus, you should be able to know whatever land property that will signify in your spiritual life, you are bound to get it back because you have a kinsman redeemer. 
Praise the living God. Alright. So, this was signifying false fruit. All the 120 in the operum, they were now false fruit unto God in the new season that God was bringing creation into. So, the 120 in the upper room, they signify the false fruit unto God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Jesus died on the cross. And then we have 30. The blood is 30, speaking of his sacrifice. And 20. Equals heavenly atonement or the altar. So, 20 plus 30. 50. The blood on the altar. 50. Pentecost. Is that okay? All these are processes towards redeeming you. He did all of those things to be able to redeem you and I. Praise the Lord. So the blood had to be poured on the altar before the Holy Spirit could be released to mankind. Putting all this together, like I said, equals 50. This point directly to the peace of what? Of Pentecost. Again, I said 50 speaks of deliverance or freedom from burden. Just part of what we look just read in the book of Leviticus. God told the children of Israel that every 50th year, which is the year of Jubilee now, there has to be a declaration of on the day of atonement of Jubilee, the sound of the trumpet. Again, let's look at that from Leviticus 25, verse number 8. As we begin to see the reality of your redemption. And thou shalt number seven Sabbath of years, seven times seven, unto thee, seven times seven years. And the space of the seven Sabbath of years shall be unto the forty and what? Nine years. Forty-nine years. And then on the fiftieth year becomes a jubilee year. Now the beauty of it is this. Like I said in the beginning. Even if you are indebted right now and then the sound of the jubilee just comes up. All your debt will be cancelled. I want you to begin to pick something now. No matter how old you are, or no matter how long you be in sin in relation to Adam, by reason of the Pentecostal experience that God releases, by reason of fact of the sacrifice of Jesus, the blood and the altar, what has happened? You've been set free from everything that Adam plays upon your life. And I'll make you see as we progress that even what your great-grandfathers placed on you have been nullified by reason of the trumpet of Jubilee. You are not in bondage to any spirit. You are not in bondage to any power. You are not in bondage to any system. I'll make you see that from the book of Numbers. So let me just go gradually. Hallelujah. Are we here? Alright. Verse 9 of that chapter it says... Thou shalt thou cause the trumpet of jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month, and the day of atonement shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. Praise the living God. So the very interesting fact here is about the jubilee time. All deaths are cancelled, all inheritance returned to their rightful owners. No matter how long or short, death are be cancelled in all manner of situation. Praise God, somebody. Are you see them? All those who walk as slaves, laborers in order to repay debt were granted their freedom to return home to their families and land their properties. Now let me show you something here. This thing as it happened in Israel. For instance, you may have a young man who had been in slavery but because of the father, maybe the father could not pay up debt and so this man got into slavery. And all of a sudden, and he'd been there working for about 10 years. Let's just put it that way. All of a sudden, there's a sound of jubilee in the air. And this guy, because he's not aware, will still be walking and still be in a slavery because he doesn't know the meaning of the sound of jubilee. You can imagine how long it takes for sound of jubilee to come 50 years. Is that okay? Right. So maybe that guy was just 10 years when he was taken into slavery and he'd be working for perhaps... 20 years, that's just about 30 years. He has no understanding about Jubilee. All of a sudden, the Jubilee sign comes up and maybe it's in the farm, maybe it's in the garden, wherever it may be at that time. And then he's still walking. Then an old man perhaps will walk and say, come on, what are you doing here? 
So well, I'm a slave. I'm trying to walk up the depths. So, did you hear the sound of jubilee? And the next question is, what is jubilee? I said, well, jubilee just sounded. So right now you are free. Walk out of this your labor system and go back to your father's house. Are you following what I'm talking about? And this, what is happening to Christians? Every one of us have been redeemed, but there's no one to sound the sound of jubilee and make them understand that they have been set free from the bondages that they are in. Are you listening to me? The gospel is meant to set you free, to realize not just your potentials, but to come to the place of possessing what belongs to you. You know what? When slavery was stopped in England, help me Lord, there were no means of communication like all these telephones, whatever that we're having at that time. Is that okay? And so slavery had been abolished, but men were still trading in slavery because they have not been informed that slavery had been abolished in the house of laws. So slavery continued. Why was it continuing? Especially in Africa and other nations. Simply because there was no means of what? Communication. The gospel is meant to communicate the mind of God to you. That you might be completely set free and possess what you are supposed to be possessing. Everything that is your right, you are meant to get back into it because the sound of jubilee has been made manifest. Praise the living God. So jubilee signifies the true liberty from our spiritual debts and slaveries. To be purchased by Christ and to be published to the world by the sound of what? Of the gospel. The true gospel sets you free. Because the sound of what? Of jubilee. We're declaring what Jesus have done. We're declaring what our kinsman redeemer have done. We're declaring the freedom that we are supposed to have by reason of the sacrifice of who? Of Jesus Christ. That is what the gospel is. So if men are still teaching you whatever will bring you into bondage to religion, to tradition, to the thoughts of your forefathers, you must understand that they are not giving you what is called the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise the living God. And it talks about the day of atonement. A very free time as well. That when they fasted and prayed for God's mercy to them in the burden of their sin, they might exercise their charity or give to men in forgiving their debts and teaching us that the foundation of solid comfort, as a matter of fact, must be laid through Jesus Christ in terms of our forgiveness of sins. I'm trying to make you say something. When you go through the whole of this, you come to the place of atonement. The atonement time is when the children of Israel will go into fasting, weeping for their sins to be forgiven. I don't know if you're getting this. Right. This is why Jesus made a statement when he was talking about this. In fact, that's the way he told them and he made them to understand that. They came to him and said, the disciples of John, they always fast. I mean, if you remember that. So, but we don't see your disciples fast like the disciples of John. He said, How can the bridegroom's jumpers fast? Say the day will come. I mean, if you remember that. Very good. Why do you think he said that? Because basically, thank you, Father. Basically, when they fast on the day of atonement, they're pleading to God for mercy to forgive their sins. So Jesus was saying, what all of the exercise attain is what I've come to present to the people. Do you understand that? Because the excess of their fasting was to forgive their sins. To have mercy on us, O God. And look at the cry, all of those. Thou son of David, have mercy on us. What do we actually take the balance? Atone for us. Hallelujah. What we could not do, do it for us. That's what they were crying at that particular time. So when Jesus said, the children of the prior groom cannot fast because, and I was just trying to make them understand that, I have come. All of your plea for mercy have been answered. Praise the living God, somebody. Amen. Now, there is something very interesting about the fast of the Jews. And I'll show you something clearly as it connects. 
to whatever thing you are supposed to be thinking about. Isaiah 58, for instance. Let's look at verse 5. Isaiah 58, verse 5, and then get up to verse 7. Isaiah 58, verse 5 to verse 7. Hallelujah. Okay. Oh, I don't know if this. Let's just go on. Is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Remember, this fast which he's talking about has to do with when men plead for what? For forgiveness. Which is called the day of atonement. You are atoning. Is that okay? Right. Is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Without call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? That's the key word now. The word acceptable day, which is what? The day of atonement. Do you think that's what I'm looking for? That's the question he's asking them. Look at the next thing. Verse number. Yeah. Then he said, verse number six. Is it not this the fast that I have chosen? To lose the bounds of what? Of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. And to let the oppressed go free. And that you break what? Every yoke. Every yoke. Get the point. Let the oppressed go free. Hallelujah. What is trying to talk to you about? All of the people, every one of all that was in bondage, is saying the door of atonement was supposed to let people go. By implication, if you are having someone under you as a slave, instead of you going into all of those ritualistic fasting, let the people go. You declare a fast which has to do with mercy and pardon to the oppressed and the weak and those who are indebted. Are you getting this? Look at the next thing that he says. Is it not to thee thy bread to the hungry and that thou shalt bring the poor that are cast out to the house where thou seest the naked that thou cover him and that thou shalt heed not thyself from all thy own flesh he said that's the kind of fast that I'm looking for so it's not a religious thing now somebody saying Pastor David I said we don't go into fasting you fast Fasting is very good. But you are not fasting to atone for your redemption. In your fast, you humble your flesh that your spirit may be alive. In your fast, your mind and your spirit is getting more atoned unto the Lord. You receive a quicker vibration of the spirit in the period of your fast. Are you following what I'm saying here? So there's nothing wrong with fasting. In fact, it should be encouraged. But this fast that we've been describing here was meant for the atoning of the people's sin. And Jesus had been made for us as was as an atonement. So we don't fast to be atoned for. We fast because we have been atoned for us. But to release ourselves, release our spirit, and become closer to God, in terms of spiritual frequency. Praise God somebody. Are you see here? Now I want to show you something. In relation to. The kiss marriage. And who he finally become to you. And your relationship with him. And how that by reason of that relationship. You are free from everything that is called. Either idolatry, worship, or it, whatever spiritual thing you're talking about. Whatever indebted nation is supposed to be, you are free from it. Let me show you something. Number chapter 30. Let's read from verse number 6. I want you to pay close attention to this. Hallelujah. Very close attention. Number chapter 30, verse number 6. The Bible is talking to us. Maybe we'll rush from verse number 1 so that I can get an understanding of what I'm trying to say. Go back to verse number 1. Praise the Lord. And Moses spake unto the head of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying this. This thing which the Lord has commanded. If any man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swore an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his sword. I mean sword. 
He shall do according to all that proceeded out of his own mouth. If a man also vows a vow, I mean a woman, unto the Lord, and bind herself by a bond, being in her father's house, in her youth, and her father hear her vow, and a bond wherewith she hath bound her soul, and her father shall hold his peace at her, then all her vows shall stand, and every bond wherewith she hath bound her soul, shall stand. Follow it very closely. Are you following me? What's the next thing? What are you just telling us then? And for instance, if you are a woman, and you are in your father's house, and you made a vow, is that okay? And your father knows about the vow, but decide not to say anything about it. The vow stays. God takes it serious. God walks with it. Are you following me? What's the next thing? But if her father disannoy her in the day that he hear it, not any of her vows or of her bonds, wherewith she had bound her soul, shall stand, and the Lord shall forgive her because her father disannoy her vow. Did you listen to that? It's very important. How powerful somebody is can stand to disannoy whatever vows you made, which God Himself is holding against you. Listen closely. Let's the next thing, verse number six. And if she had at all an husband, glory, when she vowed or uttered out, out of her lips, wherewith she bound her soul, look at the next thing. And her husband had it and held his peace at her in the day that he heard it, then a vow shall stand. And a bond wherewith she bound her soul shall do what? Shall stand. You got married now. The first phase is you were in your father's house and you took a vow. And the Lord said, The vow stands because your father allows the vow to remain. Because your father said nothing about it. But if your father said, No, I'm not interested in this vow, I don't want you to continue under that vow. Are you listening to me? God also accept what your father says and your vow is all. That means you are free from that bondage. Are you following what I'm talking about now? Alright. Now here he's saying, if you have a God, finally you got married and your husband get to know that you had a vow. Is that okay? And your husband said nothing about it. He said the vow remains. Are you listening to me? And that's why, like I always tell people, this tells you as a married woman, that the authority of your father is being transferred to that of your husband. Because you see, both of them are equal power in this place. If your, your father can decide all your vow or accept it, your husband can decide all and accept it. Are you following what I'm saying here? Please listen closely. Now, the good picture about this for sisters is this. When you, when you, you see, when you're getting married, for instance, because this is very important to us, when you get married, for instance, and the priest takes your hand, I mean your father takes your hand, hand over your hand onto the priest, and the priest handed your hand over to the woman. You know what your father is saying? He's just repeating this. He's saying as from today, if the authority that I had over you have transferred onto your husband. They didn't understand that. That is what we do in marriage setting, but we don't really understand what we're doing. And fathers also don't even understand. So much so that after they have done that, they go back home and they want to see control the woman. No, no. You handed over this woman before the Lord. Every authority I have, I've given to your husband. What you are saying is respect me as you respect your husband. Or respect your husband as you used to respect me. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Alright, so let's move on to the next thing. Verse number 8. But if her husband, glory, this I know her on the day that he heard it. Then he shall make her vow, which she vow, and that which she uttered with her lips, wherewith she bound her soul of non-effect. And the Lord shall do what? Forgive her. Now I want to tell you something here. Who is your husband? Who is your husband today? Christ is your husband. Uh, can I tell you something? Every vow everything from your fathers from anywhere 
that you've been engaging, every tradition that you've been engaging, Jesus came and said, These vows you had before can no longer stand, and he made no fault of none effect. The benefit of your redemption. Did you get that? So, anything anybody comes to talk to you about, causes of fathers, what do they call it? Is it generational causes? Is that not what they call that? All of those things, generational causes, amounts to nothing. This scripture nullifies everything. You had a cause and your father, I mean, your husband came and said, I'm not interested in this anymore. I nullify it and it makes of what? Non-effect. So nothing that generational causes can follow you. This is a benefit of redemption. Are you still there with me? Your husband nullifies everything. It makes it of non-effect. The word non-effect is plural in the Hebrew. It means to break up. It means to violate. It means to frustrate. Hallelujah. It means to break asunder. To cast off. I'm still describing the word non-effect. Hallelujah. It means to cause to cease. So everything that was hanging on you has come to a place where it got to cease because you are married to Jesus. Are you sitting there with me? It means to defeat. It means to disannul. I'm talking of non-effect. It means to disappoint. It means to dissolve. Come on now. Are you in any covenant before you come to know the Lord? Jesus' own spirit, because it's your husband, have dissolved that covenant. Whatever covenant you have been before, it dissolves right now. Hallelujah. It means to disappoint. Hallelujah. It means to make of non-effect. It means to fail. Oh, glory. So everything that have been there before you came to know the Lord is bound to fail. Even if your father's had it before, it's coming to failure now. Hallelujah. Are you still following this? It means to make void. And I love that. What are we saying? Every power, every spirit. We're going to come back to this. But let me show you this. Go with me to the book of Revelation. Because I said you are married to Jesus. Some of you got confused about that. But go back to the book of Revelation. Let's read something here. Praise God. Revelation 21. I'd like to take it reading from that place. And then we see. Revelation 21 verse number 9. Let's start reading from number 9. And then came unto me one of the seven angels, which are the seven vows full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Who is the lamb in the Bible? Who is the lamb in the Bible? Christ. Who is the wife? The church. Is that okay? Glory. Are you following me? Right. I will show you the lamb's wife. Go ahead and read. And he said, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from where? From God. The bride is the holy Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem. Why is he using that word? He's comparing this New Testament with the Old Testament. He's comparing the physical Jerusalem with the spiritual Jerusalem. That is why it is not about traveling to Israel for pilgrimage that makes you a child of God. That is not even where you encounter God. The heavenly Jerusalem is everywhere. It's not located anywhere. Praise God somebody. You've come there and that is a bride of the Lamb. The bride of the Lamb is what? The heavenly Jerusalem. Are you still with me? The Bible says descending out from heaven. That tells you you are in heaven. Oh, that, that may be too heavy for you. Hallelujah. You, you see, the city is coming from heaven. Am I right? Yes. So that tells you that's where you are. You are coming out of a disclosure. You are coming out of a confined space. You are coming out of a, I mean, an enclosure. You are coming down, meaning, let me explain this to you. How did Jesus come down from heaven? That becomes a problem. In Luke, 
The Bible tells you. The angel spoke unto Mary. Because when he said, how favored you are, you're going to bring forth. He said, how can that be? He said, the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. And that little thing that shall be in thee shall call what? The Son of God. So he came down. And Jesus, he's the word, and he said, he that ascended, he see that first word, descended. He first came down. How did he come down? Not from the empty space. He came down through the glory cloud that overshadowed Mary. And what is happening today? The glory cloud of God is overshadowing the house of God. And the holy seed is being formed in this house of God. So when we come out into the atmosphere, into the place that we're going to see heaven moving to touch life, to transform life, to change system. Hallelujah! This is your redemption reality. This wife is in heaven. Is coming out of heaven. You look at the book of Song of Solomon. That was the question I was asked. Who is that coming out of the wilderness? And Rahab made a confession. She said, our heart melted when we begin to see Israel coming towards Jericho. That is the heaven coming down. Moving towards earth. Guess what? When heaven comes down or the bride comes from heaven to colonize the earth, the heavens, I mean, the bride makes the earth heaven. So there will be no dichotomy between heaven and earth. How many of you understand? In the book of Genesis 28, the Bible said Jacob saw a ladder which there touch heaven and if he was on the earth. And Jesus in the book of John again, remember that John chapter 1, he made it abundantly clear. The ladder that Jacob saw was himself. Because henceforth, he told Philip, we are going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And when we begin to walk in God, we move into heaven, we come out of heaven. We manifest from heaven, we come and make this real on the earth. We move into heaven, we see the thing we the natural man cannot see. We come and make a declaration. Are you following what I'm talking about? This is your redemption reality. Are you with me? And that's what the Bible says. We are sitting together with Christ where? In heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. But there's a time of coming down. When we come down, we are coming to pull people up. Hallelujah. We're coming to give them life and take them along with us again. Angel ascending and descending. The purpose is to make heaven and earth become one. I will be done on earth as done in heaven. Is anybody understand what I'm talking about? This is redemption world realities. Praise God. Look at that. She took me in the spirit to a great and a high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. What's the next thing you see there? And he said, having what? I love this. The glory of who? Of God. And a light was like unto what? A stone most precious. Even like what? A jasper stone clear as crystal. I want to talk to you this. Listen, listen and listen closely. God is not seeing spot or wrinkles in his church. The church is as clear as crystal. You can see through. Hallelujah. You can visibly see through. I want to tell you from God's perspective, you are clean. You got no spot. You are free. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what religion says about it. What God says is what is true. Hallelujah. He said, having the glory of God. Oh, come on. This is the point. Listen to this. Are you getting, are you getting, are you following me? When a woman gets married, what happened? She changes her surname and takes the surname of the husband. Are you sitting there with me? The only reason the woman here is carrying the glory of God is because he has changed her identity. Are you following what I'm talking about? Your new document is reading that you are the carrier of glory of God. And guess what? In the beginning, or as it were, when we preach the book of Romans, he said, All have sinned 
and call short of the glory of God. Have you heard that? So what's the Bible telling you here? You are no longer short of the glory of God. Are you following what I'm saying here? Now you have his glory. And Christ is the express image and what? The glory of God. You have his glory. And you go to walk on the earth of somebody who carries the glory of the Father. Your identity has changed. Therefore, no generational cause can follow you. No village cause can follow you. You have changed your identity. You carry the glory of God. You carry the mind of God. You carry the spirit of God. You are not who you used to be. You are married to Jesus. And now his glory is upon you. So nothing of your village can even recognize you anymore. Your identity has changed. Your facial expression has changed. Hallelujah. Are you following me? That is the glory of God. It can't happen anymore. Did you get that? By reason of the glory, he said, you are as clear as crystal. No man can stain this. No man can add any pollution to it. He made you clean as crystal. Ephesians 5, he talks about a husband. Remember that. That will wash the wife with the world and present her to himself. A church or a wife without spot or wrinkle. If Jesus can't do that, no, no, that means the devil is more powerful. But Jesus said, hey, I got you to myself. As far as I'm concerned, I'm washing you daily and I'm presenting you to myself. Where I am, there you may be also. Where he is, he is in heaven. Where are you supposed to be? In heaven. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Go to verse 23 of the same chapter. How glory. 23. And the city, which is you and I, have no need of the sun. You know what he's trying to say? You have no need of natural situation, natural energy to survive. Because there's a life within you. Have no need of the sun out of the moon. And I used to say this. How many of you have heard? Sometimes they say, well, there are people that invoke the sun to do incantation against you. Is that okay? How many of you have heard that before? Right. So wake up in the night to do incantations. So we know scripture also says the sun shall not smite thee by day nor in the night. What is he trying to say? Because you have moved from the outer court. You are not in the outer court. Your relationship is right there in the most holy place. And that's how it's covered. The sun cannot touch it. The moon cannot touch it. Does anybody follow what I'm talking about here? You move into that dimension of God. You have no need of the sun, none of the moon. You are walking with the light of his glory. You are walking with the mind of God. Your systems, everything about you have changed and got so connected with Christ that Christ is not all that matters to you. It's all that rules your life. No power in the natural can touch your life anymore. And he said, the city has no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For what? The glory of God. They lighten it. And the Lamb is what? Is the light thereof. Did you get that? You need the sun energy to survive. To give you green vegetables, to give you whatever. You need the energy of the sun. That means, when he said the sun, you have no need of the sun, you're coming away from the place where, even where there is dryness, love and glory is coming in. Where there is famine, prosperity and fertility is coming in. And that is why you discover that Isaac could reap a hundredfold where there was a famine in the land. Because there have no need of the sun or the moon. His own frequency was directly connected to the covenant of his father. He was working with the covenant of God. The life of God was in him. Is anybody following this? Anytime God's life in his covenant works in your life, in his glory, reside within you. I'm telling you where others are failing, you'll be succeeding. Are you following this? That is why Jacob had to succeed in the house of Laban. Why? Because he was a covenant child. Hallelujah. Are you sitting there with me? 
So, now you know that you are the wife of God. Is that okay? You are the wife of Christ. And His glory is upon you. So what did you find again? If we have to touch it a little bit now. Every covenant, number chapter 30. Can you go back to that place now? Numbers 30. And then you find that again. Hallelujah. Numbers 30. And then we talked about verse number 8. Numbers 30 verse number 8. But if her husband... If Jesus, glory, disallowed her on the day that he had it, then he shall make a vow which she vowed, and that which she altered with her lips, wherewith she bound her soul. I want to repeat this. It makes no difference. Hallelujah. It makes no difference. As long as you can understand what I'm saying. No matter how many people have told you about generational causes, about village altars, all of those funny stories, I am saying, your husband, Jesus Christ, disannul everything and make them of non-effect. That means they can no longer operate in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. But if her husband disannulled on the day that he had it, and then she make a vow which she vowed, and that which she uttered with her lips, where which she bound her soul of none effect, and the Lord shall do what? Shall forgive her. We'll forgive all our sins and trespasses. Now, you can understand what happened in the book of Matthew chapter 10. As I was talking about the theme of atonement, are you sitting there with me? In terms of fasting, in terms of redemption. So when you look at Matthew chapter 10, Reading from 6. And I begin to talk to you about what he's talking about. Our Father which are in heaven, hello be thy name, thy kingdom come, that will be done with us in heaven. Is that okay? Forgive us our what? Trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Can you put it together now? By implication, the year of Jubilee have been declared. I can forgive my neighbor because I have the voice of Jubilee. I can't be bondage to anything anymore because my neighbor also is free. He was owing me. He was a slave to me. Now I can release that individual. So that prayer that Jesus gave was directly connected to the trumpet of what? Of Jubilee. Are you following that? Remember Jubilee is the year that men all debt are all cancelled. How many of you remember that? All debt are cancelled. All debt are forgiven. Yes, you can't owe any man anything anymore once the trumpet of jubilee does what sounds. So what is that supposed to say to you? Everything, even in terms of you being with the shrine of your father, anything you've done before, by reason of the voice right now sounding, which is the voice and the trumpet of jubilee, you are free from those things, no matter what powers they have been before, no matter the kind of invoking and incantation that made upon your life. Once you hear this trumpet sound of jubilee, what happens? You are set free. You have to fair recognize that, and you have to let the people know. Hey, listen to me. I've been working for you. I've been in this bondage for this number of years, but I just had the trumpet sound of jubilee. So right now, I am free. It is you to declare your freedom. Do you understand that? I want to power say, but you can't go. You are seeing my slaves. I'm not your slave anymore because the trumpet of jubilee just sounded and I heard it. That means you must understand what your freedom entails. You must know how far you've been saved. You must know how far you've been redeemed. You must know when you were redeemed. Praise the living God somebody. Are we still here? I just want you to capture this. And I have to emphasize this again. That of a church, there is nothing like a generational cause that can hold you bound. Nothing. No spirit. If you like it, call it mommy water spirit, call it a banjo spirit, whatever spirit you're thinking about. Jesus just disannulled all of that with one stroke. I say every covenant you have with this spirit, I disannul it for being your husband. One stroke, it disannul everything. So none of those things can affect your life anymore in the name of Jesus Christ. And let me show you that. Again, I always touch it. Exodus 20. Let's look at something there. Look at verse 5. Or take it from verse number 4. Exodus 20, from verse number 4. 
Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath all that is in the waters underneath the earth. You call all of those things talks about Ogbanja spirit, Mami water spirit, whatever, all of those spirit spirit. Is that okay? Praise God. And you know what? <laughs> we are the one that actually you say, let me let me give you something now to understand in the first place. All of those things originated because man was trying to look for God. Get this right. This is Nigeria, for instance, not to south. If you go to the north, they worship stones. I mean, if you remember that. If you go to the middle back, they worship big trees. Then if you come to the south, we worship river. Men were looking for God. And they tried to reach God through the element of the things he has created. So they do not. What they see that is so magnificent before them is rock standing upon other rock. They begin to see God must be available. There must be God somewhere. So now they begin to worship the rocks. They try to reach to the God who created those rocks that way. Are you following me? And they will come to the middle beds. Big trees that say, man, there must be God somewhere. God must have made these trees. Let's reach on to God by worshiping these trees. And then they come to the south. They look at the river. Hey, the Budu river, whatever river they are looking at. They say, oh, God must be available. Let's worship God through the element he has created. So in the north, they worship north. In the middle bed, they worship trees. In the south, worship river. Are you getting that? Now, if your ministry is only to cast out a bunch of spirit, by the time you are asked to go to the north, your ministry has finished. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. When you go to the north, there is no river there, so you are not going to see... You know, sometimes we look at people, beautiful sister, and say, he has marine spirit. If somebody is beautiful in the south, he has marine spirit. What about the Fulanese sisters? Very beautiful people. Which spirit are they carrying? Rock spirit? They don't understand what the scripture said. They don't understand what the Bible is talking about. Man was just locating God by creating and worshiping the element that is created. In the days of ignorance, the Bible says, God winked at. That was a time of ignorance. Are you sitting there with me? So, if you want to develop your ministry of pushing and running and killing the marine spirit, I'm sorry, the day you manage to relocate to the north, your ministry just ends because there's no marine spirit there. It's rock spirit that's going to see over there. You see that? So look at this. Go to the next place. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I am the Lord thy God. I'm a jealous God. You know what it means to be jealous? Hallelujah. In the book of Second Corinthians, Paul said the same thing. I'm jealous with godly jealousy over you. Because they decide to present you as what? A chaste virgin. It's only a husband that is jealous. And that's why we have the spirit of jealousy in the book of Leviticus. Is that okay? So God is saying here, I'm married to you. You are my wife. When you serve other God, what they are trying to say, you are buying out another husband. Is that okay? I'm a jealous God. I'm not going to take that from you. And look at the next thing. Then he said, visit the world, the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, under the third and the fourth generation of them that do what? That hate me. Now, if anybody wants to preach to you that generational causes are after you, ask a simple question. Do you hate God? If the answer says no, then it doesn't apply to you. Those that generational causes follow are those that hate God. You can't be in church, you can't be talking about Christ and still claiming to be hating God. Now, if you don't hate God, why do you have to believe in generational causes? It is for those that hate God. For you and I, we don't hate God, we love God. Hallelujah. So generational causes cannot work in our life. Jesus nullify that. Look at the next thing. Look at verse 6. And showing mercy unto what? Thousands of them that do what? Love me. And keep what? My commandments. Not just it. Hallelujah. Generational causes goes with those that hate God. But we love God. That's why we're in church. That's why we worship him. So therefore don't expect a generational cause to come upon you. Because you love God. Are you following what I'm talking about? All this thing can't work. Don't let anybody fool you by eloquent preaching and telling you that something from your village is holding on to you. You know what people say? Let's go to your village. Uh, what did they call that? 
Something like that. Is, is that what they say? Let's, let's go to the village. Let's go to your village. What's in my village? No, I'm here. Why are you going to the village? I'm not coming with you. You can go, but I'm right here. Set free. Everything nullified. I'm living a free life. I've had a sound of jubilee. No power can hold me back. No spirit can hold me back. Hallelujah. Praise God. Those who go to the village are those who have not had the sound of jubilee. I don't know if you are following me. <laughs> Once you hear the sound of jubilee, you have nothing that you forgot in the village. You are set free from them all. Your debt are cancelled. Your covenant are cancelled. Your vows are cancelled. Hallelujah! And what you have on you, you have the glory of God. Do you remember that? Show me that city coming down out of heaven. Having the glory of who? Of God. How can I have the glory of God and still be going to the village? What am I looking for? Hallelujah. If I dare go to the village, then all the powers there will have to run out of my way. Because I'm coming with another glory. And I don't need another man to help me do that. I have to do it myself. Because I carry the glory of God. Listen. We don't yet have come to the place of actually exercising our right and believing for what God has done. Look at that. Some guys, a God, the Lord shared that to me. When the ark was played before the temple of Dagon, when the Philistines took it there, what happened? Dagon fell, face down, broken to pieces. Nobody prayed a prayer. The presence of the ark was enough to destroy evil. I don't know if you are getting that. Jesus came. I was going to the cemetery where there's this man, madman, and the madman cried out, Thou son of God, have you come to destroy us when it is not yet time? Jesus never made any statement. I don't know if you are getting that. If you can have the glory, because remember, the ark was the glory of God in a box. Jesus was not the glory of God in a person. Are you still following me? Is anybody getting this? Somebody asked me a question two days ago from South Africa. I said, Pastor, can you talk to me a little bit about heaven? I said, very good. It's so easy. Heaven is wherever you find God. Hallelujah. It's easy because God cannot stay out of heaven. He must always be in heaven. So anywhere you find God, you find heaven. And the first place God really had to put himself as heaven was in the ark. But primarily as a human being was Adam. From the ark, he came to the second heaven, which is Jesus Christ. And from the second heaven, he's moving to the third heaven, which is the church. We don't understand these things. But God cannot. Remember what he said in Second Corinthians chapter 6? So I will, you will be my son and my daughters. I will be your God. I will walk in you. I will live in you. I will move through you. How can God be heaven and they be doing that to you? That means you are in heaven as well. He can do that to somebody else out of his place. Praise God. Somebody once asked me, Pastor, what are you talking about? You see, the Bible says, as my thought are higher than your thought, as the heaven is higher than the earth. Understand that. As of the earth, man bear the earthly, which is Adam. Hallelujah. You know what he's trying to say? He said, I will not share my glory with a man, but then he said, I will not share my glory with my son. He shared glory with his son, but he shall share it with a man, which is atomic life. He won't share his glory with a man, but he will share his glory with his son. And what's the next thing that he said? My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know what he's trying to tell Israel? Start thinking the way I think. You're thinking below who you are. You are supposed to be with me, but you're thinking like an earthly man. Come up here and think like me. For my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. But Jesus said, I am the way. So you connect to the way. Now your ways are no longer lower. You are exactly the way of God, which is Christ himself. Hallelujah. Is anybody getting this? When you carry the glory, somebody's not going to help you drive out demons. You will be the one driving out demons. But by the way, remember this. 
God didn't say we should do deliverance. Say we should cast out devils. You preach deliverance. You don't cast out. I mean, you, you, you don't do deliverance. You preach deliverance. Luke chapter four. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed to preach deliverance to the captive. You preach deliverance and cast out devils. So there is nothing like deliverance ministry. You want to talk of casting out devils? Fine. But as far as the word deliverance is concerned, it's meant for you to preach what? Deliverance. So your word sets people free. You proclaim the year of liberty. That's exactly what he was talking about in the book of Luke. Are you getting what I'm talking about? I have come to declare the year of what? Liberty. The year of freedom. The year of jubilee. That's what I've come to preach. i come to set you free. So every indebtedness I ever fall right from this hour is all over today. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, stand up somebody. I just want to talk to the Father a little bit. I want to talk to the Father. Whatever spirit, whatever powers, Somebody got confused when I was talking about you could be. You know what Jesus said in John 3 13? He said, Nobody has ascended unto heaven, but a son of man that came out of heaven. Who is in heaven? Glory to God. I need you to talk to the Father. If you have any mindset before of powers holding you back, of devils subduing you, of whatever things. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.